When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. We uh, started a new message series last week focused on Jesus, and this morning we're going to be talking about Jesus' claims. Uh, Some of us can say with confidence, like Peter, uh, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus' heart's desire is that everyone would have that kind of confidence in him. And the thing is, he gave us every reason to believe he is who he said he was um, by the things that he did and the claims that he made about himself. And today, you know, we're surrounded with all these other images and pictures and and beliefs about who Jesus was. But what did Jesus say? What were his claims? So we're going to look at those claims and talk about some ways that we can respond to them this morning. And Jesus did make some audacious claims. If you want to pull out your um, insert in your bulletin, I've listed just a few of those there. And we're going to look very briefly at these and then uh, it's kind of a, a jumping off place and These are just a few of the claims that Jesus made, and we're going to go through them kind of quickly. So turn to your neighbor and say, fasten your seatbelt. All right, here we go. Now, at the time of Jesus, the Israelite people were under Roman occupation in their own country. And so they uh, were waiting for someone to rescue them and set them free from Roman rule. And there were over 300 passages of Scripture in the Old Testament in their uh, sacred writings that were predicting this powerful ruler who would come and, and bring peace and reestablish the uh, kingdom. And a descendant of King David was prophesied that they would sit on the throne of David again. And they hoped and they prayed that it would happen in their generation, much like we uh, pray to God that in our generation he will do mighty acts in our lives in our church. And so it was into this atmosphere of both hope and tension that Jesus came. And he began to say and do some things that had people wondering, uh, is this the guy? Is he the one? Uh, Has he finally come? And he's doing some miraculous miracles. And he's saying some things that make them wonder if this is the Messiah. But he isn't doing the one thing that they had really hoped he would do. He's not leading some kind of revolution. He hasn't uh, started to take up arms. But he's making these claims about himself. So let's look at some of these uh, starting there at the beginning. He he claimed to have preexisted the world. Uh, John 17, 5 says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. 
Now, if I prayed something like that, it would no longer be heads bowed and eyes closed, right? You'd be like looking, looking at me, what is she on, you know? But uh, Jesus not only claimed this explicitly, but implicitly in many ways. And um, you'll see there in John 8, he even at one point says that he is older, he existed before Abraham. Now, Abraham had lived 1,800 years before him. And, you know, that got a rousing round of applause. Oh, wait, no, it says they picked up stones to kill him. It was very upsetting to the religious leaders. And then uh, he claimed to be able to forgive sins. Uh, four men brought their buddy on a stretcher and to be healed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? Great question. We're going to talk about that later. Then he claimed to have the ability to give people eternal life. Uh, John 6.40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. John 6.47, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. And John 10, 28 to 30, I give my followers eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. These are great promises for us, as well as great amazing claims. Then he claimed to be a heavenly king before Pilate. Just before his crucifixion, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate, and Jesus answered, You are right in saying that I am a king. Okay, so that, that's, that's a few of the claims that he made. And if you go through the Gospels, you'll find many others. Um, Jesus wanted us to know who he was. And here's the thing. Um, at the core of all these claims, the essence of all of these come down to that Jesus was saying... And Jesus was uh, God. And who else but God has always been? Nobody but God has existed forever. Who but God can forgive sins? Just like the Jewish leaders ask. Who can forgive sins but God? Who but God can give eternal life? Who but God has authority over everything? So that more than any of the other factors, the claims that Jesus made about himself led to his crucifixion. And this is so important for us to understand because we'll be faced with all kinds of ideas about who Jesus is where uh, you find all of these kinds of things. Um, people claim that Jesus was not God. You read books like the Da Vinci Code that uh, say he was not divine, he was not God. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus was not God. You might not know that or get it from their little pamphlets that they hand out, but that's a the essence of what they're uh, teaching, that Jesus was, there was a time when Jesus didn't exist. Um, and so you're faced with this all the time. But the witness of Scripture is Jesus claimed to be God. And the Jewish leaders understood very clearly what he was claiming. So uh, we're going to look at the, these next couple of Scriptures a little more closely. I'm going to have them up on the screen. Um, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And that really ticked off the Jewish leaders because 
He was working on the Sabbath. So they questioned him on him, and the question um, that they asked was found in verse 17 of John 5. Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I also am working. So he makes this claim that God is his father. And then in John 5.18, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. And again, in John 10, uh, Jesus makes this claim, uh, John 10.30, The Father and I are one. Uh, And then in verse 31, once again, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him. They were, you know, they always had this, like, (laughs) desire to do him in. And Jesus said, at my father's direction, I have done many things to help the people. For which one of these good deeds are you killing me? They replied, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, have made yourself God. And again, these are just a few examples of the claims that Jesus made about who he was. And I've included those scriptures, but Jesus actually made these claims. Uh, His disciples in the Gospels make the claim over and over again, like the scripture we read last week uh, from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, Jesus wanted people to believe in him. And he gave us all kinds of reason and evidence uh, that he was who he claimed to be. And those things are written down so that we can know who he was and know uh, why he came. But you have to decide and then you have to respond to those beliefs. So we're going to take just a few minutes and look at a a couple of responses that we can make to the claims that Jesus made. And the first one is... um, we can live as a citizen of the kingdom of God right now. Jesus claimed to be the king of a kingdom that's not of this world. And when he came, he was saying, the kingdom of God has come. And he he kept saying that over and over. Tell them the, the kingdom has drawn near. And it was like he was saying, it's right through that door. Go through that door and you will have arrived. And uh, he was bringing in this kingdom. And this kingdom was kind of an upside-down kingdom. And as he taught about it, it's a place where the first are last and the last are first. The losers win. Those who lose it all for the kingdom gain it all back a hundred times. It's a kingdom where uh, instead of trying to accumulate more and more and more, you give and the king gives back, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. The kingdom is a kingdom where everyone has access to the king. You can talk to him every day. You can pray, and that prayer will make a difference. It changes things in the world around you, and things that would have happened don't happen, and things that that need to happen happen because you pray. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom where you have hope in the midst of suffering and loss and joy in the midst of trials and disasters. It's a kingdom where you can have peace Uh, when everyone around you is in distress and be distressed when everyone around you is at peace because when everyone else is okay with children starving and child pornography and homelessness and broken marriages, as long as it's not their children and their families, you're distressed because that is not the kingdom of God. 
That's not God's intention for the world. Jesus brought a kingdom. And you can't find it on a map. You can't point and say, there it is. But the kingdom is here in our midst. And we can choose to make Jesus' kingdom visible every day. Every time you give away that second coat or you forgive when you could have done otherwise or you show mercy instead of getting revenge or you choose to trust instead of worrying, Jesus claimed to be a king of a kingdom. And we can live in that kingdom right now. Uh, We don't have to wait until heaven. And then the second thing, we can trust Jesus' power and authority to change our life circumstances. Uh, The religious leaders didn't like Jesus because he taught with authority. Uh, He had power and authority over disease, over demons, over everything, and that made him very popular with the people. That was a threat to them, and authority is a threat. But those who are looking for someone to rescue them and help them Jesus' power and authority was welcomed and sought after. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew fifteen twenty nine. We're talking about encountering Jesus in this series. And, and this story that we're going to read is a story about some people who encho- encountered Jesus' power, and it changed their lives. Uh, starting in verse 29. Jesus left there. And went along the Sea of Galilee. And then he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. You know, you can kind of imagine this scene. Sometimes we read passages like this, and and we're like, oh, some people got healed, and then we're on to the next uh, paragraph. But imagine what it would have been like. I mean, if I go around here and I say, who do you know that you would have brought to Jesus? Who do you know that if Jesus were standing here, you would bring forward? I think we all have somebody that we uh, could say, you know, I would take this person by the hand, and I would... I would bring them to Jesus, or I would carry them, or I would do whatever I had to do to get them to Jesus. And I, I know I have a couple of grandsons with celiac disease, boy, and, you know, I, if Jesus were going to be someplace, I'd be there, and I would have them there. And, and um, people then did that as well, thousands of them. And so you can kind of picture Jesus there on the hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and this vast crowd of people following him, and they're coming up the hill, and a man has his blind little girl by the hand and there are people who can't speak and there are children who can't run who are riding on their father's back and men who can't work because they're blind or they're missing limbs and there's this endless mass of broken people hurting people and then the little girl is scooped up in her daddy's arms and and he plopped down expectantly in front of Jesus and he touches her eyes And a hush comes over the crowd as they look at her and wait. And then she's looking around at the world for the first time and seeing her parents' face, seeing Jesus' face. And she begins to laugh. And she clings to her mother and Jesus. And then 
one after another. The lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, the speechless are shouting praises and singing songs that they've heard before, but they could never form on their own lips. And they are running around and saying, I can speak, and the deaf are hearing, yes, I can hear you, and the the lame are walking. And um, it was such a wonderful time that nobody wanted to go home. In fact, it says they didn't. They stayed for three whole days and until the food had run out, and then it seems that nobody noticed it but Jesus. And, and uh, he fed them. He fed them all. And the disciples followed Jesus, and people followed him because Jesus had authority over everything. Uh, and they knew that he had the power to change their lives, to change their circumstances, and the authority to do it. Matthew twenty eighteen, Jesus says, all authority. Not a little bit of authority, not some authority, but all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. So whatever you're facing this morning, you can know that Jesus is sufficient, that Jesus has the authority over it, that he has the power to help you with it. And he knows about it because he's God. And he cares because he's good. And he can be trusted because he has the power and authority to act. And then the third thing that we can do in response to the claims of Jesus is to accept the forgiveness and the eternal life that he came to offer us. The communion table is our reminder that Jesus not only made claims to be a savior, but he backed up his claims with action. Jesus paid the price for our sins, and he wants us to accept the forgiveness and the life that he came to offer us. Um, Most of us have memorized John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, Our memory verse is one verse after that. We don't have that one memorized so often, but it's so important to know. Uh, Look with me, and let's read it together. John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3.17. We've been singing about it this morning in the choir, grace, grace. The kids talked about it, forgiveness. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to offer his grace to save the world. And we don't have to carry around a lot of guilt and shame. You don't have to wonder if your stuff is too bad for God to forgive. Jesus not only claimed to love us and claimed to be a Savior, but he gave his life to prove that he loves us and that he has the power to save us. And uh, as we come to the communion table, I, I just encourage you, before you come, just lay it all down. Accept the forgiveness that he offers. Uh, accept the life that he offers. Would you pray with me? Our loving God, we we thank you for your word because uh, in it we can read the claims that Jesus made about himself and see the things that he did that back it up. And we thank you, God, that that didn't just happen 2,000 years ago, but that you continue to work in our lives you continue to back up your claims through miracles, through 
miraculous uh, interventions in our life through forgiveness, through uh, your hand on us, guiding us and leading us through your spirit. God, we thank you for your presence with us and all that you mean to us. We acknowledge your son Jesus, his authority in our life, uh, and his lordship, and we thank you for it. And we offer ourselves again, God, for your glory and your purposes. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.